This is the Frankly Daniel Show, and yes, I am the Daniel and the Frankly part of this enterprise. It's my weekly exercise of our First Amendment rights. Thank you for joining me, and it's an honor to be here today with you. Today's show is entitled, Whose Children Are They? So here we go. Let me ask you again, whose children are they? Yes, I'm asking about your children. Do they belong to you? Or when they go to school, when they're in the classroom, are they still your children? When they're in the classroom, do they belong to someone else? Perhaps perhaps they belong to whoever that teacher in that classroom, in that school, in that school district says they belong to. Now, do you give up your parental rights when your child steps on to those school grounds? I thought they were your school grounds, but perhaps they're not. What does the teachers' unions have to say about who controls the custody of your children's minds when your child is in the school district's classroom. Say, I thought these classrooms belonged to those of us who pay the bills for them and the teachers in them. Is this this no longer true? Did, Did I miss some transaction along the way? Did the taxpayers in my school district cede ownership of these facilities and those who staffed them over to the teachers' unions and to the woke school boards who empower woke agendas of the left? Now, if, if you haven't heard it, Joe Biden, yeah, that Joe Biden, believes our children belong to our children's teachers when they're in the classroom, and that parents should just plain butt out. After all, the teachers are the professional educators, and, and you and I are just parents. What could we possibly know about education or instruction? We always talk about these children. They're not someone else's children. They're our children. They're all our children. They're not somebody else's children. They're like yours when they're in the classroom. Joe, Joe just told us your children are all of our children. They're just not yours when they're in the classroom. Sorry, Joe, my children are my children. They're never going to be everyone's children, and most certainly not anyone else's children when they're in a woke-defied teacher's union classroom. Now here's an audio clip from a town hall meeting in Florida that was just aired this past Thursday night on the Laura Ingram Show. This clip is of a mother who's relating her story of her daughter being gender indoctrinated about her gender confusion and possible gender conversion. And, and all this while being encouraged by her peer group that she's actually a trans kid and the school's lock-out-the-parent response. Sure. Um, the pandemic was hard on many adolescents, and at the height of the pandemic, our daughter came and told us that she was confused about her sex. This is becoming more and more common, and this was after three of her friends in her in-person peer group at school also had come out as transgender. And so after many weeks of school had just started, my daughter got in the car and said, Mom, I had a meeting with three school officials and they asked me which restroom I wanted to use. I immediately called the school. I was told I cannot be given any information about the meeting because my daughter was now protected by a non-discrimination law. 
essentially protected from me. They presume me to be a danger to my child. There's a number of remarkable revelations in this clip. First, three of her daughter's classmates, those that make a part of her personal peer group, had just come out as trans kids. Now, what's the probability of this occurring organically? I can tell you it's zero. This spontaneous conversion to transgenderism is not the past norm, and it's a total fabrication. Her daughter was presumably suffering from something called gender dysphoria. Gender dysphoria is the feeling of a psychological discomfort or distress that might occur in people whose perceived gender identity differs from their sex assigned at birth or sex-related physical characteristics. There's a pernicious and evil social contagion infecting teen girls, and it's been going on these past 10 years. Now, it's a social phenomenon known as rapid-onset gender dysphoria, and it occurs predominantly in teenage girls, and it predominantly accelerated during the last two years during the pandemic, when people were isolated, particularly adolescent girls and in some cases, boys. Here's a quick clip of Preston Sprinkle relating the social phenomena of rapid onset gender dysphoria in teenage girls. Particular kind of trans experience, it happens to be probably the most controversial aspect of the transgender conversation, and the transgender conversation is already filled with controversy. And the name by which this particular trans experience goes by is rapid onset gender dysphoria. Now, the term rapid onset describes the quickness by which uh, many teenagers seem to be experiencing gender dysphoria. Um, the quickness being like they didn't have any prior history of experiencing gender dysphoria, and it seems like they kind of come out as trans or non-binary seemingly out of nowhere. Um, and this has become really important because there has been a massive increase in the number of teens coming out as trans or going to gender clinics for, uh, for gender dysphoria. In fact, in the United Kingdom, there has been a 5,000% increase among teenage females going to gender clinics uh, seeking help with this incongruence that they experience between their internal sense of self and their biological sex. Again, this phenomena has been most pronounced in teenage girls and occurs among teen girls' peer group members. The, and the remarkable increase in these numbers of teen girls declaring that they may be transgender is a social contagion sweeping Western Europe and most certainly the United States. Now, you have to remember, Western Europe has been in the throes of socialism since World War II, so wokeness had a natural breeding ground to begin with. I reported on this distressing social phenomena about eight months ago, and I do plan on recording another show in the very near future on this topic. But in the meantime, my past Frankly Daniel show, the one I'm referring to, is entitled, What Do You Know About Transgenderism? And you can find it among all my past broadcasts on the America Out Loud radio network. But, but for now, if you'd like to learn more about rapid-onset gender dysphoria, just Google rapid onset gender dysphoria and you'll be flooded with all the arguments about whether it's real or not 
and the possible causes. The one thing that is for sure about this social contagion are the numbers. Among teenage girls, the number claiming they've spontaneously moved into a transgender personality is really off the wall and down the hall. The second item of note from this mom's related experience about her teen daughter being approached by the school about her daughter's presumed gender dysphoria is that the school is shutting her out of any knowledge about what's been going on with her daughter at school. Now, this mom's lawyer was in the audience the other day and gave this response. Sure. So after we filed our lawsuit, predictably, the school district filed a motion to dismiss. We have filed an opposition to that, and we're waiting on the ruling. But what's more important is that we are hearing the same exact MO of excluding and deceiving parents, um, exactly what we heard here, from parents literally around the country. But the good news is that parents are fighting back and they're filing lawsuits in states all around the country. And here in Florida, Governor, not only are parents protected by the United States Constitution, but they're protected by the Parent Bill of Rights and the Parents' Rights and Education Law that you signed into law. Thank you. As you may have gleaned from this attorney's comments, she was, she was addressing Governor Ron DeSantis directly. Now, I, I want you to know that this case is the actual experience of a mother, her daughter, their attorney, and the daughter's school in Florida. Now, this is one of many reasons the Florida State Legislature and Governor Ron DeSantis have enacted laws to protect the innocence of children and their parents' rights from the woke educational gender and sexual orientation crazed industry. The good news is that Florida is taking strong measures to protect children and parents from this political far-left ideological evil. But there's always bad news. And that bad news is that the parents of children in Florida aren't alone in these attacks on parental rights and education. Unfortunately, parents are under assault across the nation and most certainly in blue or Democrat-controlled states, counties, and locally woke school districts. I don't know if you know, I'm going to share this with you. Do you know that, that a policy in Washington state, the state of Washington, on the left coast, that state requires teachers to conceal, yes, I said to conceal students' gender transitions from their parents, unless that student gives the green light for their parents to know. Now, I want to share this with you. Here's the story, as communicated in the website Daily Wire. It's a big publication. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Quote, The policy comes down from the state's Office of Superintendent of Public Instruction, OSPI. Uh, that's the acronym. This is the main agency overseeing public education in Washington State. Quote, Communicating with families in OSPI's gender-inclusive school guidelines, the agency warns that sometimes transgender students may not want their families to know that they are transgender or that they use a different name, different pronouns, and different gender designation at school. Often this is because they're concerned about a lack of familial acceptance which could impact their safety and well-being at home. We're back to the scare tactics. This is what the agency had to add. 
going on with the quote, because of this, teachers may not tell students' parents about their transgender status unless they get permission from the student to share that information. As it goes on to say, school staff should not disclose information that may reveal a student's transgender status to others, including parents and other school staff unless legally required to do so or unless the student has authorized such disclosure. This is what the state guidelines have to say. In order to avoid unintentionally outing the student at home, teachers should ask transgender students which name, pronouns, and gender designation should be used when communicating with parents. A student's transgender status could be confidential medical or education information, and disclosing it even to their own parents could violate privacy laws, the agency explains. Now, these, these rules apply to all grades throughout the school system. There are no exceptions to these rules. Violations of these rules are subject to disciplinary action, including possible dismissal. Confidential medical information? Really? I I ask you again, whose children are they? Now, the following is a short audio clip of Ms. Tina Deskovich, who happens to be a mother and the co-founder of Moms of Liberty, answering this very question at the same town hall meeting. It's outrageous. I gave birth to my children. I carried them in my womb. I changed their diapers. I nursed them. They are my children. Every mother knows that it's their children. Uh, It is unacceptable that President Biden or anybody in the teachers union or anyone else would say that they are collectively someone else's child or collectively their children. They're, they're, you know, they're. By the way, Moms of Liberty has become one of the largest parent organizations in the nation. In just, in just the last 12 months, they're in every state and chapters are popping up everywhere. Their formation has been in direct response to the outrageous and unfettered wokeism running wild in our nation's schools, both public and private. Again, whose children are they? This is the question I'm going to keep coming back to because it cannot be asked enough of us. By the way, did you happen to see the Oklahoma legislature has just passed a new law this past week and the governor signed it without hesitation? No, I'm not talking about the uh, anti-abortion bill, which is also pretty controversial. And um, it's a real heads up about what's going on in states. But the bill I'm talking about, the new law I'm talking about, was passed as an emergency measure. Yes, an emergency measure. Okay. Okay, already. What, what, what was this emergency measure? Here's the headline from the Epic Times newspaper. Oklahoma, yes, I said Oklahoma, Oklahoma bans non-binary indicators on birth certificates. Oklahoma bans non-binary indicators on birth certificates. Curious, isn't it? I'm going to read the entire bill, which is now law in Oklahoma. This has got to be the shortest state law I've ever seen, much less read on the air. Quote, SB 1100, let me parenthetically say that's, that's the name of the bill uh, in the legislature, re- requires the biologic sex designation on a birth certificate to be either male or female and prohibits a non-binary or any symbol representing a non-binary designation 
including the letter X, beginning on the effective date of this act, the measure declares an emergency. That's the entire law. SB 11 requires the biological sex designation on the birth certificate to be either male or female and prohibits a non-binary or any symbol representing a non-binary designation, including the letter X, beginning on the effective date of this act. That's, that's the entire law. Now, this new law prohibits new birth certificates from listing anything but male or female, but the law also bars people from changing their gender on their birth certificates, which was part of the original problem. <laughs> like, wow, already. Oklahoma is the first state in the union to pass a straightforward law like this. But it certainly won't be the last because several states are already looking at enacting the same measures. Now, you ask, why would a state government decide to, to draw up a birth certificate law uh, and making it an urgent matter? Heck, I mean an emergency measure. Uh, there's only one reason really only one reason. Because wokeness has gotten completely out of hand. Let, let me give you some background. In November of 2021, Governor Kevin Stint, that's S-T-I-T-T, Stint, signed an executive order directing the state's health department to stop amending and to stop issuing birth certificates that have an option to indicate binary as a gender or sex in this matter. Now, at the time, the governor said the state health department was doing so without permission under Oklahoma law, and that's why he ordered it uh, uh, to stop. Now, as it turns out, the Oklahoma State Department of Health had already reached a settlement in May of 2021 in which it agreed to add non-binary as an option on birth certificates. Now, this stemmed from a lawsuit brought by Kit Lorelide a person who identifies as non-binary, who is born in Oklahoma and is an Oklahoma resident. Ms. Lorelide sued after the department had refused her request to identify as a non-binary on her birth certificate. Now, can you imagine filing a suit against the state for something like this? But, you know, it's a free country. What's next? Uh, will your dental records have to show your non-binary status? In any event, by the time the Oklahoma legislature heard about the shenanigans going on at the Department of Health, they began working on this issue this February. Now, the Republican state rep, Sheila Dills, one of the co-sponsors of the Don't Say Non-Binary Bill, said, The question before us is really quite simple. Do we want the truth on a birth certificate, a legal document, representing a person's biological sex, or do we want a lie? Dills went on to say, People are free to believe whatever they want about their identity, but science has determined people are either biologically male or female at birth. We want clarity and truth on official state documents, she said. Information should be based on established medical fact and not on ever-changing social dialogue. Oh, by the way, the, the law isn't really called the Don't Say Non-Binary Law. I just made that up to poke fun at the left's Don't Say Gay mischaracterization of Florida's parental rights and education law. 
But believe it or not, there's there's been an assault on birth certificate designations for sex or gender across the country. Like, whatever happened to those days where one's sex and gender were considered largely the same? Oh, okay, so our Western culture now allows for all sorts of self-declarations and self-delusions about one's gender identity. And believe it or not, there are people arguing in courts of law to have their race changed on legal forms. Then this should be a joke of sorts, but unfortunately it's not. The argument goes, if you could be a man or, and call yourself a woman, why can't I be an African-American instead of being white? Uh, nevertheless, transgender activists are out to revamp their birth sex or gender or both on all sorts of legal documents. At the moment, they'll settle for three choices, male, female, or non-binary. But, but what about those who declare their gender fluid across the entire spectrum of gender identifications? I, I can see a push for more gender categories in the future, can't you? Perhaps that's what the Oklahoma legislature saw as well, and they decided early on to put an end to this nonsense. Now, now a person's birth certificate is a legal document that records important physical characteristics of information that have been used for millennium to help establish a person's identification. Now, who can possibly determine a person's subjective gender identity within hours of that person's birth? I beg the question. But a recorder could easily, can visually determine 99.6% of the time, the sex of that person at birth. For legal purposes, sex at birth is the reliable indicator of a person's identity, and not not their gender identity, which the woke left would would have us believe is wide-ranging along a spectrum from girl to boy and boy to girl and woman to man and man to woman and everything in between. Now, with noted genetic errors as exceptions, 99.6% of children are born female or male. A birth certificate is a legal document based on biology, and it is not an announcement that you've joined the LGBTQ plus community or that you're feeling rather gender fluid this month. Changing the sex on a birth certificate would be the same as stating your birth date was somewhere around 1999 or that you're Your parents were probably Mr. and Mrs. Harry and Susie Jones. If you follow the whims of folks, you could see someone with an original birth certificate showing they're female, and then another one showing they're non-binary, to eventually another showing they've detransitioned and are back to being a female. The push to do away with a straightforward male or female sex designation on legal documents has also hit state driver's licenses, their bureaus, and passports at the U.S. Department of Immigration. Now, Immigration and Customs announced last month that you can now designate your sex as non-binary with an X in place of the letter M or F, meaning you're neither a man nor a woman. Of course, uh, you'd expect this from the transgender-happy Biden administration. To date, at least 16 U.S. states and the District of Columbia now allow an alternative gender designation 
besides male or female-owned birth certificates, with Vermont's new law going into effect July 1st. Obviously, I've, I've been under the misimpression that passports, driver's licenses, and birth certificates were legal documents created for identification purposes and not vanity license plates. Again, they, they don't exist to parade your newest sexual orientation or gender identity. Okay, okay. So you say, so what? I'm beating this to death. Let them have their petty vanity X designation to show all their like-minded uh, gendered families uh, uh, who they really are. I mean, who cares? And and if this was just a one-off, if if this was just a point to make a point, and it ended there, I'd be happy to look the other way. But let me tell you something. After a long, after being a long-time student of social psychology, ideologies and cults start with the little things. But to digress for a moment, can you imagine getting ready to get married? Or if as a 16 or 18-year-old you needed your birth certificate in order to apply for your driver's license, or a passport, or a marriage license, and you notice that your parents marked your birth sex as non-binary. <laughs> as a young woman or young man, how would you feel about your parents' lack of confidence that you were going to grow up as that young woman or that young man? Uh, would you accept their explanation that they wanted you to make that determination once you'd come of age? They were leaving it up to you as to whether you were going to be a trans man or woman or gay or lesbian person or whatever the possibilities at the time allowed you to be. So this new law in Oklahoma doesn't seem like a big deal. But as I've said before, ideologies and cults start with the little things. Florida has been passing laws to address an increasingly rogue group of transgender educators national teacher union initiatives, and woke school board policies to indoctrinate our youngest children into the adult world of sexual orientation and gender identity. And these laws deal with only a very small part of the assault on our children by the left. Well, it's about time to hear from Kamala or Kamala or Vice President Harris. It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to take a break, a very short break, and then it's time to come right back because every day it's time to come back and hear the rest of the story. And do I have a lot of important information? You'll be happy you made the time to come back and hear. So hit the head, hit the fridge, and hurry right back. You know you're loved here on the Frankly Daniel Show, and I'm not kidding. I want to put in a big word for healthy cell supplements. The GI tract is not functioning normally in long COVID syndrome. I'm convinced of it. There are multiple studies. We need a much better absorbed set of nutraceutical and vitamin products for long COVID syndrome, and that's healthy cell. They have an entire line that's safe and effective, uh, can help people through the long COVID syndrome. I found the best way to use healthy cell products is use them every day, not on and off, on and off. Take them every day consistently. The immune super boost, focus and memory, and the REM sleep supplement all have powerful effects in long COVID syndrome. 
Go to HealthySell.com and in the promo code, type in out loud for 20% off your first order. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. If you're like me, you'd like life to return to some kind of normal. You're burned out on the precautions, but deep down, you still want to avoid getting sick. You've heard it talked about time and again by respected medical professionals. Use a povidone iodine antiviral nasal spray. Made in the USA, Cofix RX reduces viral loads and minimizes the risk of you getting sick. Find a retailer near you or click our banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Now the spirit of American liberty and justice is woven into the soul of America Out Loud. Now we invite you, friends, to invest some of your time with our magnificent family of experts, their minds and voices. It's all back at AmericaOutloud.com. Liberty and justice for all. In today's world, there's no escaping the headlines filled with warnings about emerging viruses and dangerous superbugs. Genesis is the only technology that safely and effectively obliterates harmful pathogens both in the air and on surfaces. Genesis plus HOCL neutralize these threats to your environment in just seconds. Find out more about this amazing technology at genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a 15% discount. With Genesis, you'll be prepared for what's next. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep can be infuriating. Your mind races. You toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's digital age makes it even harder. You're not alone with this struggle. Poor sleep affects over 70% of Americans. Even the Centers for Disease Control label insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. To take back your sleep, Healthy Cell has created REM Sleep, the only sleep supplement made to support all four stages of human sleep with calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support delivered in a patent-pending, pill-free, ultra-absorption microgel formula that tastes great. Fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply, and wake up refreshed with Healthy Cell's REM sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Hello, hello, and welcome back to The Frankly Daniels Show. Before the break, we were asking ourselves the question, whose children are they? Now, here's Joe Biden answering this question earlier this week at the Teacher of the Year Award at the White House. You've heard me say it many times about our children, but it's true. They're all our children. And the, the reason you're the Teachers of the Year is because you recognize that. They're not somebody else's children. They're like yours when they're in the classroom. No, they are not, Joe. They don't belong to that teacher in the classroom. I'm sorry. My children, they don't belong to everyone. Parenting isn't a collective effort of the state as parents turn their children's minds over to social justice and equity warriors in your kinds of classrooms. Now, Hillary may have said it it takes a village to raise a child, But when you're confronted with a village of woke idiots, then it's not a village I want any part of. But I understand you, Joe. You think my children as other children, as children of the government, and you want them to grow up as good socialists, bordering on becoming Marxist. Now, do I sound like a conspiracy commentator? Uh, Truth told, I'm a hopping mad commentator. 
Perhaps you saw the news release the other day from our U.S. Department of Education. If there ever was a cabinet position and a department to be eliminated, it's our Department of Education. You know, our Constitution never intended on education to be a federal matter. It was to be left to the states and to the local districts. But more and more, we have the intervention of centralists in the government trying to control our lives and those of our children through dogmatic centralized educational mandates, like mandates for vaccines and face masks. Just how far away are we from having school mandates where our children will be brainwashed with critical race theory and gender and sexual orientation dictates? My nerves already. I'll try and calm down. But back to the press release from our U.S. Department of Gender and Racial Education. In so many words, this press release says, blue states across the country are being awarded billions of taxpayer dollars from President Biden's, notice how it's President Biden's, $1.9 trillion COVID-19 relief package to push core tenets of critical race theory in public schools. No, this isn't a conspiracy. It's a fact in writing on the application submitted by various state-run departments of education in 13 blue, very blue, Democrat-run states. No, really, I'm, I'm not pulling your leg or any other body part. The American Rescue Plan, or the American Rescue Plan Act, as it's formally called, which the Democrats passed in March of 2021 without one Republican vote. Not even rhinos voted for this, by the way. Not one Republican vote in the House or the Senate was billed by the Democrat Party as a necessity for reopening schools during the COVID-19 pandemic. In fact, it was labeled a life or death allotment to rescue the American people. We're back to fear again. I mean, they just love fear. Life and death. We all know how well school reopening went, don't we? By the way, the American Rescue Plan is the same misguided, absurdly political legislation which has rocketed the nation into escalating inflation and may very well plunge us into a recession if that darn GDP numbers are negative again next next fiscal year. They just came in this week. 1.9, somewhere in that vicinity, negative number, negative GDP. Don't ask me to explain that. It, it, it my head explodes. But, but back how but let's get back to the Biden administration, how they're assisting woke school districts. They are going to spend $122 billion. It, uh, Biden just asked for $33 billion to help Ukraine rebuild an, an arm. This is four times that amount. $122 billion from the American Rescue Plan for elementary and secondary school emergency relief from the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, we thought they were going to be putting in new air conditioning systems and new ducking everywhere. You've got to find new windows. Uh, you've got to have new uh, HEPA filters in, in, put in schools. Uh, it's going to pay for all the plexiglass you could possibly put in any school without uh, creating a sinkhole. Yeah, I said $122 billion. I'm reading part of this directly to you from the federal government's department of miseducation press release this past week. Yes, Biden allocated $122 billion from the American Rescue Plan, but to talk about an oxymoron, to rescue K-12 through education across the country. 
Several blue states submitted applications to run school district-wide programs targeting something called implicit bias and anti-racism training, among other programs. You want to know how much of that $122 billion went to stuff like this? Applications were due June 7th of 2021. And we're just sort of just finding out about this now. At least 46.5, just call it 47, $47 billion of that $122 billion from the American Rescue Plan was allocated to 13 states, including, you guessed it, California, New York, and Illinois. California, New York, and Illinois. You know, if we did away with the electoral system and went to a straight uh, uh, Democrat vote by person, these three states could practically rule who's going to be president every year. In any event, uh, they're, they're planning to use these funds to implement critical race theory programs in their school districts. This despite that all we've heard from Democrats is that critical race theory isn't taught here. Now, the California Department of Education was awarded $15 billion in funding to implement its school reopening plans, which included $1.5 billion for training resources for school staff regarding high-need topics like implicit bias training. According to the California Department of Education, California plans on using the funds to increase educator training and resources in subjects such as anti-bias strategies, environmental literacy, ethnic studies, and LBGTQ plus cultural competency, something we all should strive for. I, I, I'm, I'm sure there's probably a merit badge. If I was still in the Boy Scout, I, I, that would be my first merit badge. The New York State Education Department, or not at New York, eh, they were only awarded $9 billion in American Rescue Plan funding to implement its reopening plan which supported putting diversity, equity, and inclusion at the heart of uh, the New York uh, Department of Education's work at at all uh, local educational agencies. Yeah, diversity, equity, and inclusion. What a dirty dirty three words to string together. The funds helped New York Civic Readiness Task Force build a diversity, equity, and inclusion plan to provide staff development on topics such as cultural responsive sustaining instruction. Oh, that's a mouthful. Culturally responsive sustaining instruction and student support practices, privilege and implicit bias and reactions in time of stress. That's a course I need to take, reactions in time of stress. The approved plan also recommended that schools use social emotional learning yeah, there's there's that uh, word salad again. See, they they don't talk about uh, CRT anymore. They they dress it up with words like social emotional learning, uh, because most of the learning I do is emotional, as you could probably tell from my from my show today. Uh, they're going to support all the work of anti-racism and anti-bias training in New York. Uh, the plan quoting the the board, uh, the framework says uh, equity warriors. We're currently working to create more diverse, more equitable, and more inclusive schools. We have equity warriors now. I don't even know how you qualify. There's probably a four-year degree program someplace you could take uh, for something like that. Now, in Illinois, let's go there. They, uh, they, they're with the poor sister here. They only got $5 billion. You know, we went from California, $15 billion, to $9 billion, New York. Now we're $5 billion. 
in Illinois, uh, and that was to the State Board of Education for its reopening plan with an emphasis on equity and diversity. I mean, are you getting a, getting a flavor of the theme here? The plan provided school districts with training on topics like, oh, anti-racism and equity. You know, they're claiming these anti-racist pro- programs and uh, uh, implicit bias programs, uh, implicit bias programs. I think I'll slow down here a second. Uh, they're all about uh, public health. That's how part of these are being justified. We have a public health crisis in racism, systemic racism. You probably have heard that before. It's rampant throughout the country, and we've got to put a stop to it in the schools. My goodness. So, so while we're uh, growingly concerned about the assault on parental rights over issues like gender identity and sexual orientation in pre-kindergarten and elementary schools, the government is handing out big bucks, our bucks, to woke states and their woke school districts to teach kids about their racial oppression or victimhood. That's just dandy, just dandy, isn't it? Uh, I want to come back to the parental rights uh, and education law in Florida. Now, I live in Florida, so I'm very familiar with our legislatures and governors attempting to do to protect childhood innocent and parental rights and education. Here's the entire section of the parental rights and education law dealing with sexual orientation and gender identity. A quote, the bill prohibits classroom instruction on sexual orientation or gender identity in kindergarten through grade three or in a manner that is not age appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students. That, that's really the entire bill, practically. The propaganda from the radical progressives and the overwoke media labeled this clause, this solo clause in the parental right, uh, rights and education law, dealing with sensitive, age-appropriate subjects of gender and sex as the don't-say-gay law. This law happens to be age-specific. It protects our youngest minds, our most impressionable minds, the minds of our children, who we know are the most receptive to indoctrination. The law doesn't say that children can never be allowed to hear about or learn about these issues of gender identity and sexual orientation. It just says, not now and not by you. These rights are strictly those of parents. Now, here's an audio clip of an alleged Florida school grade teacher, I think it's actually preschool, voicing her opinion about what she calls the Florida Don't Say Gay Law. My state decided that it was a good idea to ban the use of the word gay in the classroom. Educators can now not are not allowed to say gay in the classroom anymore. Does it say that in the bill? I'm asking, I'm asking you to tell me what's in the bill because I'm you are pushing that. false narratives. It doesn't matter what critics say. Well, it says it bans classroom instruction on sexual identity and gender orientation. For who? For, for, for grades pre-K through three. So five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds. And um, the idea that you wouldn't be honest about that and tell people what it actually says it's why people don't trust people like you, because you peddle false narratives. That, of course, was Ron DeSantis challenging an NBC reporter who questioned him about the don't say gay law. But back to the alleged Florida teacher's comments. And by the way, I say alleged Florida teacher because I have no way to confirm that she's really a teacher or a teacher in Florida outside of her own claims. But for illustrative purposes or illustrative purposes, 
Let's assume she is a Florida elementary school teacher. Let's listen to what else she had to say. This is a life or death issue. Why do I say that? One of the most important statistics that I use in my curriculum when teaching anti-oppression, specifically about LGBTQIA issues, is 72%. You decrease the likelihood of a young trans person of wanting to commit suicide if all you do is use the proper pronouns for that person. 72%. You can save a life by using one, often two-letter word for a person. Misgendering someone can have them go on a spiral where they don't want to live anymore. And now we're not allowed to say gay, even if we are gay, even if we have an openly same-sex relationship, even if we're openly non-binary or trans. As, as educators, we cannot talk about who we are. We exist, but we can't just talk. We can't talk about it. And when I brought it up while this was all being discussed, some other teachers in the hallway, because I'm working at an, a middle school right now, had the audacity to say, no, but it's just you can't teach about it. It's not that you can't say about it. That's not true. I can lose my job tomorrow as an educator right now just for saying gay. Perhaps the two most notorious lies to come out of the Biden administration are masks save lives. And the other one is kids will die. She says that the new Florida law is a life or death issue. This nameless teacher lays out her statistical case for early interventions that she says the parental rights and education law prohibits. Now, this is much the same as Mayor Pee-wee Pete Buttigieg, our unillustrative transportation secretary, said when he was asked about the new Florida parental rights and education law. He said, quote, kids will die. <laughs> this is a classic Democrat tactic. When you can't discount someone or some claim by calling the person a racist or their comment as racist, the fallback position is, it, is to introduce fear. If I only had the time, if I only had the time to share with you all the new social science research that's emerging about the Biden administration and other European governments' scientific use of fear to shape compliance around public health mandates pertaining to the COVID-19 mitigation strategies these last two years, uh, your head would explode. Today, in many academic circles, the blatant use of fear tactics during the COVID-19 pandemic is being roundly criticized as beyond unethical and even immoral. Nonetheless, nonetheless, the Biden administration, rightly suspecting that Americans are behind in their self-protective abilities to resist fear messaging spread by seemingly authoritative government officials, that they will continue to peddle fear when and wherever possible. So you ask, what is the fear they're peddling in this case? It's the alleged fear that transgender children will be bullied and harassed to the point of suicidal ideation, eventually succumbing to their depression and eventually resorting to suicide as the ultimate coping mechanism. The woke remedy for this eventuality is to school all children at the earliest opportunity, preschool age is if possible, that they too may be a transgender child who's still working through their feelings about their true gender identity. So be kind to each other, especially to those who have already discovered 
their gender identity. Mind you, we're, we're speaking about five- and six-year-olds. And, and what about her statistical analysis that you can prevent 72% of trans kids committing suicide by just using their newly gendered pronouns? Would you be surprised if I can't find a reference for this statistic anywhere on this planet? In fact, I doubt any institutional board of research ethics would allow you to conduct a study where some of the kids would potentially die if not treated with their gender-specific pronouns. And besides, the parental rights and education law doesn't say you can't call a child by their parentally approved transgender pronouns. But the law does say you can't tell a five-year-old that you believe they are or could be a trans kid and then offer them a list from which they could choose their preferred pronouns. How about some more feedback from the woke gallery? Here's an emotionally distraught audio clip of America's very own Tokyo Rose, a.k.a. Jen Psaki, lamenting over Florida's parental rights and education law. This is a political wedge issue and an attempt to win a culture war. And they're doing that in a way that is harsh and cruel uh, to a community of kids, especially. I'm, I'm like going to get emo- uh, I'm going to get emotional about this issue because I just it's horrible. But uh, but you know it's it's like kids who are bullied and the, 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 like all these leaders are are taking steps to hurt them and hurt their lives and hurt their families. And you look at some of these laws in these states and it is going after parents who are in loving relationships who have kids. It's completely outrageous. Sorry. I, I'm just, this is an issue that makes me completely crazy, but it is an issue that is a political wedge issue. It is not a reflection of where the country is. Sorry, Jen, but no one in Florida is going after parents who are in a loving relationship with their five-year-old supposed trans child. There is no community of five- and six-year-old trans kids in any school I've heard about. Wait, I take that back. I did run across a clip of an alleged teacher who claimed that 17, 17 of her 22 students in the fifth grade were trans kids. But I can't find where I put that clip. In fact, I may have deleted it as uh, felonious. I I already have a, a half dozen external drives with audio and video clips of the most bizarre claims made by woke people, and I've only been collecting them now for the past two years. But let me unburden myself of a couple more clips of alleged teachers who have recorded themselves for our enlightenment. Hi, I'm a queer teacher, and I 1,000% do not support this bill. And yes, I do know what's in it. The bill in itself is just another way to stigmatize the LGBTQ community. Kids as young as three and four are actually aware of their gender identity, even if they don't have the language for it. So very aware of who they like and who they don't like. Heterosexuality is pushed on our kids on a daily basis at a very young age. Media, through books, the first Disney movie that you saw. To say that pre-K through third grade are not ready for such topics is actually internalized homophobia and transphobia. They're very much ready for these topics and are way more accepting than adults when it comes to discussing these topics. We can talk about gender, gender assumptions, pronouns, all the things. And it is child development appropriate and age appropriate literally created as just another means to other queer people. Basically say that us existing is not normal. So are you suffering from homophobia or transphobia? I'm surprised that when Biden sent out those two sets of 
four COVID-19 test kits. He didn't have the CDC include a home test kit for homo and transphobia. Now here's another teacher weighing in on teaching transgenderism to preschool kids. This has been my first year in preschool with a class of my own, teaching alongside another queer neurodivergent educator, and we have been rocking our two's class. We've been talking about gender and skin color and consent and empathy and our bodies and autonomy. It's been fabulous. I'm so happy for these two. This appears to be the best part of her and her partner's teaching careers, that being turning preschoolers, three- and four-year-olds, onto the life of transgenderism. Very cool. I'm sure every parent is tickled pink or blue or purple over this extra effort put forth by their preschool teachers. Of course, I'm assuming parents know this instruction is going down at their preschool. Well, how about another glimpse into the world of woke teacher education? If you thought you were going to get a break from all this wokeness over the summer as your kids go to summer camp, Listen up and select that summer camp with care. That's how we should, you know, like get down with yourself, explore your own body. Masturbation is really healthy, and I recommend it to people of all ages, all ages. As soon as my nephews could talk, they were doing that. That's what they were doing. Kids touch themselves. Kids start to ask questions, and we teach them the language for their bodies, right? That's your nose. Touch your nose. Show Aunt T. You can touch your nose. But my sister's not saying that when they're tugging at their penis, right? But it feels good, right? We have to learn ways to talk to young people about this so that they know how to explore their body consensually so that it's not in public, right? We don't want people exploring their bodies in public. That's not consensual. But exploring your body at any age, grandmas, grandpas, all of us need to be exploring our body. That's how we should, you know, like get down with yourself. Well, yes, there you have it. Now, I apologize for cutting this off early. This idiocy goes on for another two minutes, but I couldn't listen to another another five seconds of it. The leader of this sexy summer camp, that's what it's called, recommends that children begin to masturbate as toddlers. Masturbation is really healthy, and I recommend it to people of all ages. All ages, she says. As soon as my nephews could talk, they were doing that. My nerves already. In case you think this sexy summer camp uh, is a hoax, I can assure you it's real. Just Google sexy summer camp and you'll find all sorts of information on this summer camp. Now, Tanya Turner is the leader of this camp and she even has her own YouTube promo video for the camp. No, I didn't see anything really risque uh, on her promotion, but uh, she's a talker. Now, I stumbled across this camp when I saw an article in the online edition of Kentucky Today entitled, Sexy Summer Camp in Eastern Kentucky Crosses Boundaries. (laughs) Boy, I'll say it does. This story just came in across the wires. It reads... A spate of articles in recent weeks chronicle a startling rise in the eco-anxiety among children, defined by the American Psychological Association as a chronic fear of environmental doom from climate change. An intense fear over the planet's future is an increasingly common phenomenon among children and teenagers, declared the BBC on April 22nd. 
a phenomena stemming from constant exposure to predictions of possible catastrophic consequences from global climate change. With the truly woke, everything is about fear. And again I ask you, whose children are they? Ten years ago, the question of whose children are they would be rhetorically nonsensical. But in today's world of woke public and even private education, this question is the question of the day and will be for years to come. Public education has gone off the rails. Now it's about power and money and politics and somehow the kids are getting lost in all of that. It doesn't matter whether you're a Democrat or Republican, you're a mom and a dad first. Critical race theory is dividing our children in ways that are unacceptable. You cannot use racism to eradicate racism. Our teachers are bullied, parents are shut out. Less than one third of America's school children are proficient in anything. They're teaching these kids X-rated sex acts. When we look at this radical agenda, the way our children are being exploited and the way parents are getting shut out, it comes down to one fundamental question. Whose children are they? Whose children are they? ¿De quién son esos niños? Whose children are they? Yes, indeed. That is the question. Whose children are they? Perhaps you have an answer. I'll share mine with you next week on The Frankly Daniel Show. I'm Daniel Francis Baranowski, and you've been listening to The Frankly Daniel Show on the America Out Loud Radio Network. <laughs>